0: Good morning. Thanks for joining again. It's good to be together to open the Word of God and go through it together. And We're going to do that again today as we continue our study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, our study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit really comes in in, uh, in the midst of a larger study on the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've talked about him in terms of his divinity. We've talked about him in terms of his personhood, his personality, uh, the things that he does, the uh, latest of which, again, is that he gives Gifts, and so in First Corinthians chapter twelve, this is one of a few places in the Scripture in the New Testament where Paul talks about uh, the gifts and even enumerates them. And so, um, <clears throat> here in chapter twelve of First Corinthians, we're going to read a passage that we've read uh, a number of times along the way already, but we'll use it as our uh, kind of as our starting point. In First Corinthians twelve, starting in verse four, once again we read. <clears throat> now there are, <clears throat> excuse me, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all in every one. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who appoints or apportions to each one individually as he wills, as we mentioned before, we'll mention again, the gifts are given not so much to impress or to or to create a wow factor to your ministry, you know, in and of itself per se. Uh, it's not intended to bring you or I attention, but rather it's intended to ultimately be for the good of all. Uh, the Holy Spirit's primary role is to lead people and to point people and direct people, guide people to Jesus. And so um, he's not going to give a gift that ultimately draws attention away from Jesus and to the person who's been given the gift or the user of that gift, but rather the intention is that that gift be used ultimately in that ultimate purpose, of 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 glorifying God and bringing people to him. And part of glorifying God is building up the body, which is another reason that the gifts are given. Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul in Romans chapter 12, it's an easy way to remember the gifts, uh, where they're located, 1 Corinthians 12, also Romans 12. And then of course, we have 1 Corinthians 14 as well. Um, but um, Paul mentions here, uh, as each one has been given a gift, use it. You know, and the idea there is in the context of his writing is to edify the body. And so today we're gonna to look at a few uh, of the gifts that uh, that are distinct, but often are, are seen together in operation. Uh, and in particular, we find these uh, in verse nine and 10. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, and to another working of miracles. And so I'm gonna sort of group together faith and healing and miracles together. Uh, as we talk about them, uh, often we see them in Scripture in operation together, and so uh, I thought it would be wise to just go ahead and kind of put them together. Um, let's talk about what each of them is. Faith, for example, we're not talking about faith unto salvation here. per uh, Really, that that is a uh, that is faith for sure. But when Paul is using the word faith here as a spiritual gift, and he says to some is given faith, uh, and he follows it up by talking about things like healings and miracles. He's not talking just about salvation or even really about salvation in this context. Rather, he's talking about faith for a moment of ministry that God is going to uh, infuse, that the Holy Spirit is going to give that gift of faith for a purpose right there in that moment. Um, uh, It is a supernatural trust that God is going to do something. Uh, a belief without any doubt whatsoever. This is not something that you just muster up again, this is a gift. In other words, God is about to do something and and he so often works through people, so he gives sort of this infusion, the Holy Spirit does, of faith to believe in that moment that God is going to do something. Um, you know, one example uh, of, of faith and uh, healings and miracles working together is in uh, in Acts chapter three. Matter of fact, let's turn to Acts chapter three and we can read that. This is a passage where, uh, where Peter is walking through the temple court area and uh, he and John are walking through the temple. And this is in chapter three, starting in verse one. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called beautiful the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple, in other words, to beg for 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 gifts and and such to sustain himself because he was unable to work. so a man who was in a tragic position, unable to take care of himself, had to be carried into this area, uh, a populated area, so that people seeing him might give him some kind of a a, a monetary gift or some kind of uh, practical need to be met so that he could take care uh, be taken care of. And so Peter and John are walking through and they see him there. Verse three, uh, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, And the next thing goes on there. Ultimately, Peter shares a message. As we've mentioned before, the miracles often are intended to precipitate an opportunity to share the gospel. And that's what happens there. But the scene is such where Peter and John are walking into the gate, into the temple area, through this gate where this man is sitting. And he looks at them and asks for an offering, uh, some kind of a gift to help him out. And Peter and John, seeing him, say, we don't have any money, but what we do have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, very clearly expressing who this miracle is being done through, uh, rise up and walk. Now, that, that takes faith, okay? Um, you know, I might want to see somebody healed and I might pray for them, even lay hands on them or anoint them with oil and pray. Um, but it's another thing to tell someone who's unable to walk, to rise up and walk and actually take them by the hand and help them up. If that doesn't come to pass, then you're gonna look kind of silly. And and so it's kind of a gutsy thing to do unless you know for sure God is about to do it. And Peter had that faith in that moment to to go ahead and raise up this man. Uh, And he was fully healed and began to praise God, which is is, uh, a normal expression in the midst of having a miracle done for you. And so there's an example there of faith and also healing, which is in and of itself, of course, a miracle. Uh, another example, maybe a, a, it's hard to say modern day or contemporary because George Mueller lived some time ago. But in England, George Mueller, if you're not familiar with him, uh, I would, I would commend to you to, to look him up. Uh, but George Mueller um, ran a series of orphanages in England uh, back in the um, early 1900s. Um, and so uh, as he was, um, one of the characteristic about him uh, that was really special was that he never asked for anything i think something like eight or ten million dollars in the course of his life running those orphanages went through his hands as it came in and it went out to support the orphans and such uh, so much came in and out uh, during his ministry to these orphans this providing care for them but he never asked for anything except god He would never tell anybody their needs. He would never send out newsletters and pamphlets, send your support. But rather instead, what he did was he simply brought the needs before the Lord uh, every day and trusted fully that God would meet those needs. And as you read the story of George Mueller, uh, Answers to Prayer, and other uh, records of of George's ministry, of Mueller's ministry, um, you see phenomenal, incredible ways that God showed up just simply honoring George Mueller's faith and trusting him to take care. Uh, times when they, the uh, when the kids had no food, no milk, no anything, and and Mueller would tell them to go ahead and set the table and prepare, and they would pray uh, for the food that they were about to receive, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door because a, a meat truck broke down or a milk truck broke down. And so they, they and, and back in that time, there wasn't refrigeration where you could really take care of the stuff, so there they were in front of an orphanage, their trucks broke down, and they asked if the orphans could use the food. And, and this kind of thing happened all the time with him. And uh, it was really, really something to, to behold. As a matter of fact, it's extremely encouraging to read those stories and to see how God worked in those times through George Mueller's faith. Uh, and, and, and those are miracles that took place. You know, Now, obviously, George Mueller didn't work a miracle. George Mueller uh, didn't just muster up enough faith in and of himself I mean, he learned to trust God over time as these things would happen over and over again. But God gave him sort of a supernatural kind of a faith to just simply trust that he had it handled. God's got this. And miracles like that would take place in his life around that work he was doing. Um, so the idea of of uh, of faith, this supernatural infusion of trust in God in the moment that God is going to work. Uh, healings. Uh, that is something that's pretty straightforward. Healings, miracles—these are straightforward ideas. Um, Healings—the idea that someone's uh, sickness or infirmity is uh, infirmity is healed, and they're made whole or made well. And we see examples of this throughout the Scripture as well. We just looked at the passage here where Peter and John, um, um, you know, had this gift of uh, in the moment of healing uh, this 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 man who had been lame from birth. Um, In in Acts chapter 9, there is a woman named Dorcas or Tabitha, uh, uh, which uh, uh, she was a blessing to the church. She made these garments and tapestries and such, and she was just this blessing to the church. Well, she had died, and they called Peter to come and to pray over her, Uh, and so he did, and she came back to life. He raised her from the dead. Um uh uh in uh, Acts chapter 19 we see Paul healing multitudes of people. Lots and lots of miracles are wrought. I mean not multitudes all in one swoop, but he would just heal people throughout his ministry, and many miracles were wrought through him. Um now, on the other hand, uh it's probably worth pointing out here at this at this point, and actually I, now that I'm thinking about it, a question had been asked in the comments. Uh Living the Dream uh, asked if uh uh well gosh, I'm sorry. Um Maybe it was Nancy. Actually, I forget off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but the question was asked about um, uh, when it comes to a gift of healing, are there people in Scripture that are like given healing ministries, like they are healers? Uh, and that's that's not an easy question to answer because we we do see where God uses people to heal other people, but does that mean that that person has the ability to heal at any time? Uh, It does not appear so. It does not appear that someone can just heal whenever they feel like it, but when the power of God is present to do so. Um, For example, Paul, we just mentioned that he healed many, many people during the course of his ministry. Uh, But on the other hand, Timothy had stomach problems that Paul, I I presume, couldn't heal or wasn't able to heal. I assume he would have if he just had that gift and could just heal people as he chose to. Um, So it, it leads me to believe passages like that lead me to believe that that really the miracle of healing or the gift of healing is something that is given in the moment when uh, when the power of God is present and when God seeks to be glorified through that. Now uh, I'll talk more about that kind of a thing uh, uh, in terms of some of the abuses of the view of gifts of healing and miracles uh, before we wrap up today but I'm going to move on for now and come back to that and touch on it again in a moment. Um, let me talk about miracles. Now, healings are miracles, but they're not the only kind of miracles. And so a gift of miracles can be distinct from the gift of healing. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, a miracle can be the complete opposite of a healing. For example, um, you know, Peter, um, uh, with the, the episode with Ananias and Sapphira, um, they died in that episode. Um, uh, Paul, um, 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 exercises a demon. I guess there's, you could probably call that a healing, spiritually speaking. Exercises a demon uh, out of a girl who uh, is demon possessed and, and would speak on behalf of this demon and was following them around, promoting their meetings. And uh, Paul turns around and casts this demon out of her. Um, Peter um, uh, uh, strikes a sorcerer with blindness, LMS. Um, uh, so miracles and, and the power to do those kinds of things becomes present at certain times uh, when God deems uh, and the Holy Spirit chooses to bestow that gift to accomplish a work that ultimately uh, you know is according to the will of what He wants to accomplish in that circumstance. So uh, when we talk about healings and miracles and um, um, and faith, in the moment, uh, ultimately to see God work and to know that he's going to work. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as we've said earlier, and we'll no doubt continue to say throughout this this study, is that these things are given for the common good. These things are given that Christ might be glorified, magnified. These things are given that the body might be built up and to be healthy. Uh, They're not given to wow the crowds. Uh, And that leads me actually uh, to where I was just mentioning I wanted to go, and that is to speak of the idea of some of the abuses in this area. Um, We said yesterday or last time that um, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Oftentimes people are very turned off when we get to this subject. As a matter of fact, there's entire segments of the body of Christ that that fall into what is called not fall into in a bad way. I'm not trying to sound negative about it, but but they they are part of what would be called the cessationist camp, the side of the the part of the body of Christ that believes that the gifts are not for today. Now the now we're brothers and sisters, we're you know, this is not a salvation issue. It doesn't even have to be a fellowship issue. Um but um but but part of the reason for the rejection of the idea of the gifts being for today is because of some of the abuses we see uh you know i i, I don't love to name names and that kind of a thing if, if you've been watching the podcast for a long time i don't do this much but a shepherd's job is to to warn about wolves and so when we're talking about abuses of, of the gifts of the holy spirit or misunderstanding misteaching, misappropriating um misdefining uh, what the gifts are about and how they're to be used and, and, and whether or not uh, these people are even exercising actual legitimate gifts or not uh, is, a, is, a, is a point of question. But um, what I'm referring to is stuff that you see on a lot of the Christian TV channels where you've got faith teachers and faith healers uh, performing miracles uh, among the crowds that come to see them. Um, referring, of course, and most of you probably already have names in your mind, so I'm not surprising you. Uh, when I bring up names like Benny Hinn, or I bring up Kenneth Copeland, or Rodney Howard Brown, years ago, I think he's still uh, doing things. Um, you know, any of those; those are big names. But there's lots and lots of people that fall into that camp, and what what I'm what they're doing, and what I'm referring to is when they fill auditoriums with people claiming that they're going to do miracles and they're going to give new words from God and and they begin to just sort of, you know, knock people over by the holy spirit and things like this and and uh and they purport to do healings and they they tell these grand stories of how their sight is given to the blind and people's, you know, limbs grow back and things like this. Um when you see that stuff on TV and you see that, uh, and 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 by the way, it's not just that they claim to do these things, but the ultimate defining factor that 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 makes me bring them out as being false teachers and false prophets and false, uh, you know, uh, people that are misrepresenting God and this kind of a thing, is because of what they ultimately teach behind the miracles that they claim to be doing, uh, some incredible. Uh, ridiculous kinds of heresies that that come out of these people's mouths in terms of their teaching um, crazy ideas so it's not just that they're purporting to do things that aren't even true but the things that they're teaching are misleading people as well into a completely misunderstood false understanding of God and so they're false uh, they're false They're false teachers. They're false prophets. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're exactly the kind of people that Paul was talking about in Acts chapter 20 when he drew the Ephesian elders together and said, after my departure, ravenous wolves will come in and not spare the flock. And he's telling them in advance so that they'll be ready for this. Well, that's what we're talking about here. The abuses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit has been damaging in a number of ways. Of course, as we were just mentioning, in one way it causes many Uh, solid believing Christians to sort of step back from the idea of the gifts as not being from today because Satan has used these things, uh, ultimately counterfeits of these things, to mislead many and to just make a mockery of of the Christian faith. Um, But beyond that, uh, it is also, um, uh, the misuse of these uh, ideas has also brought tremendous damage to uh, typical believers. Um, just, uh, you know, people that go to these meetings are going because they desperately want to see God work. They've got a thing going on in their lives. Maybe they're sick and uh, they've got cancer or they, they can't see or they can't hear or something, and they want to go to a to a miracle rally of some kind that God might work and restore them. And these false teachers have led them to believe that when they come, they can be healed if they have enough faith. And if they don't get healed there, They are left to believe that it is because they did not have enough faith, or even more heinously, that they didn't sow a seed or give a money offering sufficient uh, to the ministry of God through these healers and such. It's actually despicable. I'm doing a lot here to kind of withhold uh, uh, what I, you know, really going off on what I feel about this. I just, I'd rather this be instructive and not just um, a rant. But Um, But this kind of stuff should be avoided. These kinds of people and their teachings and their uh, false propagating of things, this stuff should be avoided like the plague that they are. Uh, God, I hope they repent and they they turn and they become solid believers. Um, I mentioned Benny Hinn a moment ago. I think it's his nephew. Uh, had been part of that ministry for a long time and had left it and is now kind of on a a speaking tour, kind of speaking against the abuses and the the wrongness of those things. Uh, And so you can look him up. His name escapes me at the moment, but I actually literally just saw a video pop up uh, with him the other day. Um, So the abuses of these things have done great damage to the name of Christ. Um, Of course, you know, I mean, Jesus is God. You're not really gonna bring his name down per se, but among many in the world, his name is dragged through the mud through these kinds of things. But sadly too, uh, many people's faith has been made shipwreck because they were disillusioned by something promised by a faith healer and a faith teacher that never came to pass, and they were left destroyed thinking they didn't have enough faith, or maybe God wasn't good, because after all, doesn't God want to heal everybody? The answer is no. God doesn't always want to heal everybody. And that leads to a more positive note that I'd like to end on here. And when I say positive, I mean bringing to more of an understanding these things and bringing some sense of balance to understanding concepts like faith and God's healing and the miracles and such. I fully believe that God heals and does miracles today. I have no doubt whatsoever. I don't have a gift of healing, but as a pastor, you pray for people. People come up and they want prayer for various things, and sometimes somebody's sick. Uh, and I've prayed for people that that felt better soon after, and that kind of thing. I've never raised a lame man up and told him to rise and walk. You know, I'd love to do that kind of thing. And I think that kind of thing does happen today, um, legitimately. But um, but but does that mean that God always wants to heal? Um, you know, there there's it's important that we understand the balance of um for example uh john the apostle in two different places gives us a couple of passages that that really kind of help us uh start to try and get our mind around this in um in john chapter 14 john records jesus as saying "Matter of fact, let's turn to it john chapter 14 we're actually almost there on sunday mornings uh in our in our church which by the way if you uh, if you like watching the podcast on our sunday morning live stream we uh we stream live at 10. We also put those podcasts up. Usually by about Monday night, they're posted. So you can see the messages we're doing on Sundays. And we're actually going through the gospel of John right now and have been for some time. Uh, well, here in John chapter 14 and verse 13, notice what Jesus says. He says, uh, whatever you ask in my name, Actually, let me even back it up to verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. Wow. Okay. First off, what does he mean when he says greater works? Well, Jesus raised the dead. He raised himself from the dead. There are no greater in... Potency miracles than that however the the disciples and the apostles and even uh, many after them would do miracle would do far more miracles over time more miracles would be wrought ultimately in the ministry that followed Jesus resurrection uh, than could be done by him individually in the time he was walking on the earth and so greater in number and scope in terms of uh, in terms of far reachingness but um, but they're you know miracles will be done and Jesus says if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Okay, well, well, think about that for a moment. Is Jesus saying that I can ask for a million dollars, and he'll give me a million dollars? Well, some camps would say, well, yes. Well, I would say no. Uh, If you ask anything in my name, there's two sides to this. If you ask anything, and in connection with that, the idea if you ask anything in my name, and in concert with that, the idea that God would be glorified through the Son. Uh, in other words when when we ask something in Jesus name, what we're saying is essentially Lord, I'm asking something that you would ask I'm asking something that lines up with your character, your purposes and such it's not a it's not a a a uh, an invitation to just ask for anything that I want as a matter of fact in uh James um, uh, James speaks to this when he talks about uh how you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss that you might ultimately spend it on your own desires. And so James here kind of speaks to this idea as well and says, well, it's, it's not just that you ask, but you're asking for yourself. Well, that's asking amiss and that's part of the reason why you don't have. Okay, so uh, if God's desire is to do something in your life or through your life and you pray for that thing, you can have the assurance that God will do that. As a matter of fact, the other thing John wrote, and this is what I want to allude to as well, or or turn to actually, is in 1 John chapter five. So if you would, turn there. 1 John is getting toward the end of the New Testament. um, And and 1 John chapter five brings us toward the end of that letter. In uh, chapter five, verse 14, uh, he says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. In other words, if we ask anything according to his will, in other words, when we pray something like your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we line our wills up with his, we can have the absolute confidence that God will answer those prayers that we ask, that he will do those things we ask him to do because they're his will. And God does His will, and so the idea here is not that we just sort of have keys to do, you know the keys to do whatever we feel like, but rather we line ourselves up with His will, and therefore we walk in the confidence that when we ask for something, we have what we ask because it lines up with his will, his character again, his purposes and plans ultimately for his glory and so gifts of the Holy Spirit have a purpose toward that end, seeing the will of God done, being having God be glorified and that kind of a thing. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again, uh, even the um, some of the wonderfully miraculous ones, healings and miracles and such, these things have a purpose in God's plan to bring glory to himself, to elevate the name of Jesus, to build up the body of Christ uh, that we might glorify him and that we might be growing and, and, and more Christ-like even in our own walk with him. Uh, they're not to be show pieces, they're not to draw attention for their own sake, but rather they serve the purpose higher than just themselves. And that purpose is to elevate Christ and bring him glory. So um, um, hopefully food for thought, something to maybe help you dig in and and pursue these things with a little bit uh, to gain more understanding. Uh, Again, we're just kind of uh, tapping into these things and giving hopefully what what I'm hoping is meaningful uh, insight into these things, but uh, obviously it's not exhaustive, so I encourage you to read the scriptures and let them be your guide in understanding these things. Um, but uh, my hope is that this helps put them into a context that that makes them understandable and hopefully something that's not to be feared. And we'll continue to go through uh, these passages as we make our way through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, I hope you'll join for that as we do. So that being said, let me go ahead and pray us out, and as always, I invite you to to comment whether it's on our youtube page or whether it's uh, uh on my personal website at parsonspad.com you can email me through those uh, outlets uh our website at calvarychapelfranklin.com my own personal website parsonspad.com you can uh email as well certainly love to interact with you i i love when you comment and then we can interact about things and uh so i encourage that and uh, and certainly if you have questions about any of these things i'll do my best to try and answer them. So that being said, um, God bless you, thanks for joining, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness toward us. Thank you for giving us your word that we can understand uh, these ideas. We thank you that these gifts are given so that the body might be built up, uh, knit together, and that, Father, we might together glorify Jesus through the use of these things. Help us, Father, to understand these gifts. Help us not to see them as means to elevate ourselves, but rather, again, as means through which we might exalt the name of Jesus and bring him glory, and ultimately see people drawn to him. And uh, we pray that Father, if there's any of these particular gifts that you uh, want to give us in a moment where you could be glorified, where you could let your power be evident to do something to bring someone to a, a place of saving faith, uh, uh we just pray that you'd use us in that way. Help us to be in those circumstances and to be open to let you use us the way you decide to, Father. Because again, our desire is to bring you glory. And as Paul said, we were bought with a price. And so therefore, we're not our own, but we wanna glorify you with our whole person. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you and bless you. Ask you to watch over us until we meet again and help us to continue to dive into your word that we might uh, not only know the word of God, But ultimately, through knowing the word of God, come to know all the better, the God of the word. So we praise you and thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.